You're talking about it. I'll be talking about it. Dennis Prager here. Join me this morning at 11, right here on AM 560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Our uh, colleague, Dennis Prager, is uh, featured in a new film, Adam Carolla, documentary that's coming out next year, No Safe Spaces. They've uh, got a trailer out on Facebook. I mean, YouTube, excuse me. The university, undoubtedly the one place where the free exchange of ideas meets with intellectual vigor and civility. You are disgusting! Slap your racist mama! The university is ours. Expect resistance to anyone who opposes us. There will be resistance and it will not be peaceful. Free speech is uh, free on campuses unless you're hearing ideas you don't like. And you get uh, the gist of it uh, per our regular campus beat segment on this show. You uh, should have a good understanding of the anti-intellectualism, intolerance, and totalitarian re-education that's going on in most college campuses in the country. Uh, Why we're pleased to be joined by Greg Lukianoff, who is the CEO of FIRE, Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. The FIRE.org is their website. He's a free speech lawyer. He's also the co-author of the new book, The Coddling of the American Mind, obviously a takeoff on Alan Bloom's uh, uh, magnum opus, The Closing of the American Mind. The Coddling of the American Mind is the name of the book, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. And we're pleased to be joined by the aforesaid Greg Lukianoff. Greg, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Well, why, since um, I referenced Bloom, which I think you're referencing in that uh, title, <laughs> uh, why don't you uh, tell us what's happened on college campuses uh, from Alan Bloom to present? Well, you know, I only started working uh, on free speech issues on campus since I graduated from law school around 2000. Um, and from about 2000 to uh, 2013, the best constituency on campus, believe it or not, were uh, for free freedom of speech was actually the students themselves. And if you were going to get in trouble on campus, chances were it was actually going to be an administrator who decided to shut you down. Um, but something really changed dramatically in 2013, 2014. That's when you first start hearing about, you know, microaggression policies, trigger warning policies, safe spaces. It all seemingly happened overnight. And the calling of the American mind is primarily trying to figure out what on earth happened. Well, I mean, in addition to uh, the, the sort of the abridgment of free speech and the big lie that this is a, you know, the uh, the campus is uh, a, a free marketplace of ideas. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the anti-intellectualism as it pertains to the scholarship coming out of universities. And we have this uh, notable example that popped up last week where a uh, respected Brown University academic is uh being shut down by your own school for doing research on the topic of transgenderism and the social component of transgenderism, why so many young girls have a, like an epiphany that they're transgender, that is there a social anxiety, uh, a social influence component, and uh, she's not being backed up by Brown University. She, she's had a former dean of Harvard Medical School rally to her defense about the integrity of her research and that it calls for more research. You, you have anti-intellectualism at the academic level. So, of course, that's going to redound to anti-intellectualism at the uh, 
at the student level. Yeah, actually, two of the most uh, uh, harrowing chapters in the whole book are about um, student, uh, you know, outrage mobs trying to shut down professors, particularly talking about the case of Brett Weinstein at Evergreen State University. Mm -hmm. But then, much like the case you're talking about, we talk about this really horrifying case involving a professor named Rebecca Tuvel. And she was she wrote an a academic article um, making the argument uh, saying that you know if we can accept that people can decide their gender why shouldn't Rachel Dolezal also um, someone who decided a white woman who decided to live her life as a black woman why isn't the, why isn't that equally legitimate and it was you know a thoughtful academic paper and in the book and we try to be pretty calm about these issues in the book but in the book we liken it to a genuine witch hunt given that she was having people sign public denunciations per Professor Duvel was of her but then, you know, writing her uh, behind the scenes saying, yeah, I'm really sorry what they're doing to you. And, wow. and so is it, is it salvageable? I mean, Amy Wax, the University of Pennsylvania uh, law professor who's had her own experience, which I'm sure you're familiar with. She basically yep. says it's like, in the book, she says the Ivy League is gone. The Ivy League is gone. Yeah. It'd be better to just uh, essentially uh, 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 decommission Ivy League schools and start over. Yeah, I hear this fatalism, and the thing for me um, is that we haven't even really begun to fight these trends, because right now we're really seeing uh, a lot of public awareness about it. And the, the, the latest phase of it, where the students themselves are the ones demanding the censorship, we really haven't seen that since, say, like the early 90s. And we haven't done even basic things, like get rid of campus speech codes, or even have you know, a session at the beginning of when people enter for orientation, explaining what academic freedom is, what, uh, what freedom of inquiry means. So, you know, like we have just, we've barely even begun to fight and i think people are throwing in the towel too quick do you think there's going to come a time when there's not even going to be grades distributed just pass or fail at some schools there's not and definitely when you look at uh grade inflation that's arguable um that some some schools that there really are still grades uh given the the most common grade you get at harvard is an a (laughs) the a's right so you might as well not uh have grades everybody wins here's the uh the where does this go, I guess, is the question. And so there there do seem to be some encouraging signs to address the fatalism that I started here in this conversation. Um, heterodox academy, academics yep. of, of the left and right politically that are um, charting a different course, uh, doing their own course offerings. Obviously, other online outlets like Khan Academy that uh, provide yep. coursework online. It, there was a, a Harvard, uh, famed Harvard business professor, Clayton Christensen, Mr. Disruptive Innovation, said the other mm-hmm. week that he predicts that in the next 10 years, half the colleges in this country will be bankrupt because the price point doesn't make any sense for the return on investment. Um, do you see sort of a, a disruptive innovation like Heterodox Academy, Khan Academy uh, coming online to upend the model of higher education in this country in the near term? I mean, I think about this all the time, and I really want this to happen. At the same time, if you look at the ranking for top schools in the country uh, and go back 100 years, it's amazing that, you know, Princeton and Harvard, you know, they're all still at the top of the list. So the the, the top schools aren't going away anytime soon. But these big, I I think there was someone who was calling them um, uh, bad bet schools, essentially $60,000 a year to go to a mid-tier school just doesn't make any sense. Well, where do you think this is going to go from here? I mean, I don't see it getting any more liberal and progressive. But then again, I, you know, nothing surprises me anymore. 
Yeah, well, things are going to keep on going in one direction until they can't. <laughs> Stein's law. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful in some ways. I, I see greater public awareness of this issue. I mean, I, I felt like we were toiling in obscurity for from 2001 to 20, you know, 15, talking about how bad things were on campus already. Um, but there's a lot more awareness of it. Uh, the problem is, of course, though, that some of these um, uh, some of these problems we're seeing, you know, they pose a threat, a long-term threat to the, the viability of our democracy. If you if you really do have um, universities that could be kind of making us more willing to hear the other side, and they should be making us more open-minded, actually making us more kind of like political and tribal, um, it can take a bad situation to make it a, a lot worse before it gets better. Well, and the other thing is, um, and I think you're you're getting to this in your book as well, um, setting up generations for uh, setting up a generation for failure. Uh, that uh, young people are less resilient. Sarah Lipson at yeah. Boston University uh, had suggested that in a recent interview with the Boston Globe. You have another story out today that's really disturbing, and it, perhaps it goes to this issue as well. 20% of college students have weighed suicide, according to a study from uh, yeah. Brigham and Women's uh, Hospital. So the, the resiliency of students that you're trying to protect from themselves or from opinions they disagree with. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I mean, this is the scariest finding in the whole book and definitely in researching it. Because in 20, we wrote an article called Coddling the American Mind back in 2015, basically arguing that we're teaching the generation, uh, this generation, that the mental habits of anxious and depressed people. So we shouldn't be surprised if they're anxious and depressed. Um, but uh, the numbers, when they finally came out, were so much worse than we ever imagined. We are talking about of suicide for young women just between 2007 and now. Um, the, me- the, the mental health situation on, on campus is, is actually terrible. That's not just people uh, m- making it up. Uh, but, you know, our argument in the book is that we should, this is exactly what we, we should expect when we're teaching, you know, a generation of students that they should overgeneralize, they could, should catastrophize, they should, get, uh, they should engage in all this bad uh, thinking. It seems to me one of the things that uh, we could do as uh, conservatives, free thinkers, is uh, what U.S. News and World Report does. You mentioned the rankings um, of you know yeah. best schools and all that. Is uh, put can put out more of our own rankings on uh, the schools you should consider if you truly do believe a college campus should be a free marketplace of ideas, and the questions you should be asking uh, as you consider and your your son or daughter considers what school they want to attend. As we sit here during sort of the application process right now for seniors. Yeah, Heterodox Academy is trying trying to do exactly that, and I think that, that that more public awareness of schools. If you actually want to have productive disagreement at a school, which schools you should go to and which schools you shouldn't, but you can also look up some of the incidents um, at thefire.org, uh, uh, the the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, where I'm president. Um, we have some really uh, horrifying tales of of schools that don't respect viewpoint diversity, and some encouraging ones of schools that do. Yeah, I think uh, from we've been doing this campus beat segment on this show for. A, a few years now yeah we even have a theme song that's right and i think we're down what's the theme song oh you want to hear it you want to hear it here here it goes yeah i do go justin go our technical producer They got the beat, the campus beat, the campus yeah. beat. Yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, the campus beat. All right, so that'll be an earworm that you'll have to contend with the rest of the day now. <laughs> um, but I think we're down to six acceptable colleges or universities you can send your kids. Maybe you have a list that you could, we, can add, uh, we can add colleges to, but we're down to a pretty uh, small number. 
Uh, well, uh, University of Chicago has been doing a good job of yeah. trying to fight back some of these trends, and and that's one of them. Uh, and Princeton actually hasn't been that bad either. Uh, but definitely, you mentioned we've seen a lot of problems at Brown. Actually, uh, DePaul University, we we have no apologies about saying is one of the worst in the country for a lot of the issues we talk about here. Yeah, there you go. It's one of those Catholic universities that hates Catholicism. It's very curious. <laughs> uh, he is Greg Lukianoff. He's the CEO of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Mm-hmm. Thefire.org is the website. He's also a lawyer and author of the book, The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560, The Answer mobile app. Just text the word app to 64636 to download the app today.